Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Alphick. And I'm Connor Thompson. You know, if you guys are longtime listeners, you've probably heard that many times. But if you're new to the podcast, do you think anyone is, is jumping onto the ship at this point? Oh, probably. The 90s ship, the nostalgia train, the... Uh, I don't know, the taxi cab of yesteryear. Wow. Taxi cab of yesteryear. Yeah, I think that's the new that's the new thing. I kind of like it. As opposed to the Uber of tomorrow. Well, yeah. Um what are we doing this week? <laughs> July sixteenth. Who knows? <laughs> July sixteenth through twenty second in nineteen ninety one is what we will be covering this week. Uh so now that you've hailed this taxi taxi cab of yesteryear, we will be putting on the little fare button, lighting up the roof, or whatever, you know, whatever taxis do. July 16th, OC schools ponder ban on gang attire. Worried about the influence of gangs, two Orange County school districts have proposed dress codes that would ban colors, clothing, and even hairstyles that authorities say are associated with gang activity. The Orange Unified and Tustin Unified School District Boards will vote on their respective dress codes later this summer. Principals in Orange would get broad authority to restrict apparel they consider to be gang-related, while Tustin's plan is more specific and prohibits such items as Los Angeles Raiders jackets and red or blue athletic shoes. A kid can be at school and never have a problem, but as soon as they put on their colors, they're putting on their gang uniform, and they start to have a problem, said Frank Bowler, an administrative assistant for child welfare who helped develop Orange Unified's policy. I feel like this was really a thing in the 90s. Like, do you remember being in elementary school and certain times, not often, but if you were wearing like a red bandana or something, uh, which I never did, but... Bandanas kind of came back into the scene towards the end of the 90s. But if you were wearing a red bandana or a blue bandana, people are like, those are gang colors. You can't you can't be repping those. Well, like we grew up in a very predominantly white Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. And there were still people who were like getting all up in arms about the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah. So what was it like in, you know, the OC? I mean, welcome to the OC. I feel like this would be a perfect time for that uh, for that clip. Welcome to the OC, bitch. This is how it's done in Orange County. <laughs> we are like what? We were twelve-year-olds in yeah, predominantly white, relatively suburban Niagara Falls. I don't think gang problems were really a huge issue. Anyway, let's move on. July seventeenth, man held after nine-year-old fires gun at Bronx building. The police filed weapons charges yesterday against a man who had been living with the aunt of a nine-year-old boy who fired a 9mm gun at a Bronx office building on Monday. A police spokesman, Detective Joseph Gallagher, said detectives arrested the suspect, uh, Jesus M. Cruz, possibly Jesus M. Cruz, 29 years old, near his apartment uh, in the Bedford Park section, a couple miles, I, I assume, of the Bronx, a couple miles from where the shooting took place. Detective Gallagher said that Mr. Cruz was charged with endangering the welfare of a child, yeah, as well as the unlawful possession of a deadly weapon. The boy's name was not released. Police said the boy found the six-pound uh, automatic in a bedroom that Mr. Cruz had been sharing with the boy's 30-year-old aunt, Marcia, uh, Maria Garcia. They said Mr. Cruz had recently moved out. I wonder if he forgot the gun. <laughs> How do you forget a gun? Well, maybe you have too many guns. 
yeah, I, yeah. I guess if you've got like a, a whole collection of automatic weapons, yeah, you know, you just leave one behind. Uh, it's happens yeah, to the best. You know, what's what's one gun between friends? On Monday, the police said the boy loaded the gun and fired a single shot towards the office building at 190 Willow Street, uh, in the shadow of the Bruckner Expressway. The bullet did minor damage to a window frame as it whizzed through, then went past a clerk working at her desk on the second floor of the building. The bullet pierced a metal cabinet and slammed into a wall. Shit. Yeah. That being said, going back to the gangs, if this nine-year-old ever wants to join one, he's immediately got some pretty good street cred. Yeah, that's true. Street cred is so important, yeah. I've heard. <laughs> he doesn't need he doesn't need a, a red or blue bandana. He's he fired an automatic weapon into an office. Yeah, it's kind of baller. Like shitty, but baller. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah! Don't fire yeah, automatic. No, don't do this that. is not endorsement of automatic weapons or firing them into buildings full of innocent yeah, people. But like uh, street please, cred please wise, that kid's that. hard as fuck. Oh yeah. All right, July eighteenth, Perry Farrell launches the first Lollapalooza tour as a farewell for his just dissolved band Jane's Addiction. Other acts appearing on the tour include shit. How is that pronounced? I don't know. Sue Su Susie? Oh, we're not cool enough to know how to pronounce this band's name. Fuck them. Nine Inch Nails, uh, Rollins Band, Fishbone, and Rage Against the Machine were also there. Nice. I love Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. He's a one-man band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at Lollapalooza. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. We were too young for that. We were. I mean, they still have the more fixed Lollapalooza in Chicago. That's not the same. I'd love to go to Chicago next weekend. You know why? Why? At the uh, at the site, Grant Park, where they hold the uh, now stationary Lollapalooza, is Pokemon Go Fest. Wow. How are you not going to that? I, I work. How are you not going to that? Get some time off. Chicago's only, what, like six hour drive? Uh, I don't know. I've never, I've never driven to Chicago. I haven't either, I feel like I it's longer than that. that. Oh, anyway, I, mean, yeah. I, I will be missing out on the Pokemon Go festivities. Moving on to July 19th, though, Square releases Final Fantasy IV in Japan, the first Final Fantasy game for the Super Famicom, released in November as Final Fantasy II in North America, presumably for the SNES. Yep. Uh, July 20th. Well, I don't really have anything to add about that. I never really played the Final Fantasy games. I know, me either. I want to play Final Fantasy VII because that is, you've probably heard this as well, widely regarded as one of the best. Yeah, that's the one, if you're going to play one. Yeah, and I feel like the newer games, maybe, they're just so massive in scope and depth that it'd be hard to get into, whereas Final Fantasy VII, I think, was just a PlayStation game, so probably bigger in scope than something that you could fit onto a Super Nintendo cartridge, but probably still not overwhelming in the way that some modern games probably can be. Yeah, and they're, like, they're remastering it, aren't they? Um, have already they, uh, yeah if they haven't already i don't know mm. I, I don't know okay july 20th gm to close two plants cut six thousand jobs the general motors corporation said today that it would close two north american assembly plants one in california and one in scarborough ontario putting almost six thousand people out of work Woo, gm's Canada. move yeah we're in the news <laughs> gm's move is in line with the pledge by robert c stemple the chairman to balance the productive capacity of the number one automaker with demand for its vehicles by 1992 despite several plant closings since 86 dwindling gm vehicle sales in the united states and canada have resulted in more plant space and output than the company needs you know the real problem is that the chevette didn't have power steering 
that was the issue. And it didn't have a passenger side side mirror either. Oh, yeah. Throw in those two things and you would have had a dynamite car. Not to be confused with the Ford Pinto. Well, let's let's wrap things up here. Oh, two more days. All right. Uh, July 21st. Firth? 21st. Uh, July 21st, after, uh, this is Colin Firth Day, of course. Hmm. Uh, July 21st, after 35 years, nation's ribbon of interstates nearly complete. By the end of this decade, the greatest construction project in history, bigger than the Roman aqueducts or the pyramids, uh, greater than the Great Wall of China, will be complete. This is a bold claim, but probably pretty accurate. A system that soars over mountains, spans rivers and bays and plains, uh, is expected to end within the bowels of Boston sometime around 1998. The most productive partnership ever between the federal and state governments will have accomplished its goal. 44,000 miles of four-lane-plus limited-access, grade-separated, high-speed, coast-to-coast, and border-to-border highway. This is the Interstate Highway System, which is pretty, pretty cool. I mean, when you think about it, how many roads just weaving that network of highways going throughout America is pretty cool. Can we talk for a second about how Americans get so up in arms about taxes and paying taxes and how the tax rate's too high and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but yeah. then if you want to fucking drive from one city to another, you have to pay to use the highway. Are you shitting me, America? I mean, this is only in some states. Do you remember when, like, on our trip down to, to Tennessee, what, New York had tolls, Pennsylvania had tolls, but I think once we got into West Virginia, we were pretty much good, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think it's a state-to-state thing, but yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Like, you, you want to drive a few miles down the road and you have to pay, like, a buck or two? It costs, like, $15 U.S. to drive from uh, western New York to, where did we go, Boston. I think that's what it came to, like, 15 U.S. Really? Yeah. No, wow. it's not. It's not cheap. Yeah, that's, uh, I feel like that's almost, that's like half the price of gas, probably. Uh, I don't know about that, but it fucking sucked. Speaking of things that fucking suck. Oh, yeah, July We're we not ending the week on a good note. We really aren't. Uh, boxer Mike Tyson is arrested and charged with the rape of Miss Black America contestant Desiree Washington three days earlier in Indianapolis, Indiana. Also, serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer is arrested after the remains of 11 men and boys are found in his Milwaukee, Wisconsin apartment. Police soon find out that he's involved in six more murders. Uh, we can't have this to end out the week. This is too depressing. You know what? July 22nd, I feel like a bunch of kittens and puppies had to be born this day. At least seven. Yeah, what do you think? All right. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Close out the week, Connor. There were at least seven kittens and puppies born on this day. What wonderful news. Wow. Um... That is the week. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the box office where things are significantly more enjoyable because one of the greatest movies of all time is in the number one spot, and that is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I would say maybe the greatest sequel only behind Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the I would say the greatest sequel in overall in sort of contrast to other films in the series. Okay, even, or at least original trilogy, maybe I don't know. Maybe even just in contrast to the first one, like Terminator was a great movie, but T two was next level. Yeah, whereas A New Hope was really good, and Empire was just exceptional. Yeah, so it was it was it, less it's hard of a to jump. even compare. 
Yeah, it was it was a smaller step, whereas Terminator was a T one thousand of a leap up into the I don't know sky Skynet something I don't know. There's no speaking, joke here. Yeah, speaking of excellent sequels, at two, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, not not great, but pretty good though. <laughs> so this is a lesser sequel. The lesser sequel. Uh, let's let's quickly just get through movies and music because it's going to be a little bit thin, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, we have Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves on here. That was nice. a good one. Yeah. Um, ooh, speaking of uh, going back to Bill and Ted's Keanu Reeves, at number seven, we've got Point Break. So Keanu is, uh, you know, making his mark on the billboard this week. I mean, box office. Yeah, for sure. Um, Naked Gun 2.5, The Smell of Fear is at eight we have city slickers at nine and i think i guess thumb and louise at 14 that's probably that's probably it let's end it right there um music i don't think it's gonna be too much better we've got uh something something a little canadian for you this week again uh we will be talking about uh hot tracks hit tracks and where to find them out of canada oh man uh in the number one spot rush rush paula abdul um, All right, but a song that people actually know more than words by Extreme at two. Yeah, I don't know. Just pick out your favorites here. Let's just All let's right. just do it. Like um, I feel like I feel like mentioning number six, "Walking in Memphis" by Mark Con Cone. Cone. I like I like Cher's rendition of this. I'm just throwing that out there. Wow. Uh, yeah. At eleven, fan of the podcast, local personal hero, and dare I say mentor. Michael Bolton with Love is a Wonderful Thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's a- accurate. All very, yeah. very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, 19, we've got Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Okay. Um, I Want to Sex You Up is on here at 23. Nice. I almost, I, I feel like that could be a good place to end. Okay. Yeah. I'm also, have we, had, have we mentioned a single Canadian song out of this list of... I don't think so. This was not a good week oh. for for Canadian music. At thirty three, twist my arm by the Tragically Hip. You there can almost go. always rely on a Canadian music list from the nineties to include the hip somewhere. Oh yeah, uh, they they've got to be on there as well. Uh, just a, a quick look. We've also we also do have Blue Rodeo on there. Uh, Celine Dion is she's there. Those uh, more Canadian Blue Rodeo. Staples. Yeah, so there are there are some Canadians definitely definitely repping the list, but not really in the top ten. All right, let's get into some '90s news now because I I mean I posted it to the Facebook page immediately, but if you're not following us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, then maybe this is news to you. If you also don't go outside, Hercules is being made into a stage play. Hopefully one that appears on Broadway, hopefully that one that makes its way to Toronto, and hopefully one that I can get tickets for. I need everything to line up here. Yeah, you need the stars to align. That being said, take a trip to New York. New York City is nice. Yo, let's take a Megabus. We could take a Megabus. Every now and then I get Google Flights updates about like $200 round trip flights to New York City. Oh, yeah? I feel like like a bus or a train would be a decent way to go, but yeah, $200 flight. That's uh, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, our, our point here is that I think Hercules has a legitimate chance to be like an incredibly well done, beloved, long running Broadway play. Like it, th- it's got all so. of the pieces. It does. And there's some things that or, I mean, sorry, I've never play, seen musical. any of hmm? musical. Yeah, I've never seen any of these Disney adaptation musicals like live stage ones. Like I've never seen The Lion King, but 
as much as The Lion King is one of my favorite movies, it was one of my favorite movies growing up, I would certainly see the stage adaptation, but I'm not jumping at it in the same way that I kind of feel about about Hercules. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's because Hercules was a lot more lighthearted and fun. Yeah. Like Lion King had a lot of points where it was like emotional or dark and brooding. Whereas, Which I like. Um, well, no, it doesn't make it bad, but especially for a musical, like I want to see something that maybe it's, you know, a little brighter and tripper. How how many times can you watch Les Miserables, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and there's there's some solid songs in here that will be awesome to experience live. Uh, specifically, I think Zero to Hero and Go the Distance. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Could you like, imagine if they get Michael Bolton for this? If they got, or if they got Michael Bolton for like even just the premiere show or like the first week run, fuck, that's that is when we are taking something, some means of transit down to New York City and getting in there. Yep, I agree. That would be so yeah. cool. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of, I kind of want to just roll with these Disney punches right now. Sure. Uh, have you heard about the Star Wars land that they're going to be opening at Disney in 2019? I have. Yeah, it looks pretty fucking cool. Uh, I think they are now, like, people have just been throwing around Star Wars land. Uh, unfortunately, it's not named that. I think they're calling it Galaxy's Edge. Oh. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. Well, why not um, call it the Outer Rim, though, or something oh, like that? Oh, Outer Rim could be good. Hmm. Uh, maybe they're just worried about people spray-painting the word job on the end of it. Ah, uh, yeah. But That's a looks, legitimate concern. It looks cool. Like, it's just kind of a, an all-encompassing Star Wars sort of seedy, well, Outer Rim kind of town, I guess, that they're constructing. And it looks really, really cool. There's one more thing that I want to look up real quick. So another thing that they're apparently opening at uh, at Disney is some kind of immersive Star Wars hotel. Ooh. Yeah. So in this, it's kind of like a mini Westworld. Have you... You're, you're familiar with the concept of Westworld if you haven't actually watched it, right? Yeah, I'm familiar. Okay. So the idea is... Uh, yeah. So it's an immersive Disney Star Wars hotel. Um, all the employees will be in costume, in character, every guest will have their own storyline, and there's going to be projections outside of the windows of stars and planets and things like that. Uh, in order to enter the hotel, you have to change into Star Wars, into costume. Okay. Like, not necessarily a stormtrooper or something like that, but you probably, you might have to throw on, like, a, a vest with a belt or... You wouldn't be able to wear your normal civilian clothing. You are entering an actual Star Wars world in this hotel. And that seems really cool. Yeah. 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 I'm down with that. Yeah. Because, I mean, walking down halls, seeing stars, having... Like, you're walking down your hotel room to... You're walking down the hallway to get ice and a fucking protocol droid just, like, rolls by you and, like, bloops at you. Oh, man. How fucking cool is that? I'm into that. You pass, like, you pass a fucking Mon Calamare in the bathrobe, and he's just like, you know, uh, oh, the continental breakfast. We can't repel flavor of that magnitude. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many wonderful opportunities for it to be, like, the hokiest thing ever. It would be the best. Like, you're walking down the hall, you bump into a Wookiee. It's like, someone, a Han Solo-like person's like, oh, watch it there, not actually Chewie. Oh, my God. 
All right. Uh, yeah. Let's let's take a U-turn from where we are right now and get into our 90s spotlight. All right. We will be taking. Yeah, we don't know if uh, U-turns are allowed on this road as we travel down. But hey, we're not the taxi cab driver of the taxi cab of yesteryear. So everything take that U-turn. We everything will. comes full circle. Much like a U-turn. And then if you do another U-turn. Oh, my God. Uh, we're talking about 90s cereal this week. <laughs> I want to start off today's spotlight with a teeny tiny little, thankfully not 90s. So back in the 1990s, online shopping for the most part didn't exist, at least in the beginning of the decade. And while it had most definitely sprung up by by the end of the decade, it was nowhere close to the industry that it is today. If you were doing any kind of remote shopping, it was probably mail order or maybe phone ordering from something like the shopping channel or an infomercial. And while I'm sure many companies did have free shipping options after spending a certain amount of money, uh, their extra options for getting to that free shipping were probably much more limited compared to something like Amazon. What I'm trying to get at here is in the 90s, I don't think it would have been possible to add a kilogram of fl Frosted Flakes to your order in order to qualify for free shipping. I mean, Frosted Flakes are great, I will admit, or else why would I have ordered so many, <laughs> so much? Approximately one kilogram. The rate in which I've been going through this enormous box of cereal is not a good thing. <laughs> Basically, I'm eating it dry out of the box like it's trail mix or chips, and it's probably better than chips, but it's certainly not healthy. That, and that's it. That's the whole story. That's that's our lead in to talking about cereals in the 90s. One kilogram. This box is almost empty. It's like, a big uh, box. I, when we're, uh, we're again recording over Skype this weekend because I have to work a late shift again. And because of that, uh, you know, I wanted some breakfast and stuff. <laughs> and I showed Connor over the Skype window the giant box of Frosted Flakes. What he can't see is how light that box now is. Oh, man. Um, okay, so this one's a bit of a weird one because obviously, as some of you know by now, we are Canadian and there are distinctly uh, different versions of things that Canadians get versus Americans. Frankly, you guys get a lot more and a far wider selection, especially when it comes to breakfast cereals uh, than oh, yeah. we do. So some of the cereals that we talk about, you may still have, you may have never had, and as you're about to see and hear... Some of the ones that you might be really familiar with, we've never seen or heard of un until doing research for this bit. I've never even heard of the first one. Yeah, exactly. So there's a cereal called Hidden Treasures. I've never heard of it either. This does not look at all familiar. And like, because we're from Niagara Falls, like we went grocery shopping over in the States sometimes. And I, I still don't remember this, but some of these do ring a bell like the next one sprinkle spangles nope uh you, you not ring the bell to me spangles oh man yeah um, okay uh, what about pop tarts crunch pop tarts crunch that sounds vaguely familiar yeah i i remember this i don't think i had it but the next one the next one is one that i know you've had or no. assume you've had you haven't had oreos no oreo o's yeah no, I've never had oh my that. God. In in very exciting news, Oreo O's are being brought back, and they were they were delicious. Might have to give them a, a, a shot. That being said, number five, that I think will resonate with both both of us. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've got Dino Pebbles, the Flintstone cereal. Uh, this was from Post. Uh, I actually don't remember this so much as I remember Post Fruity Pebbles. 
Well, yeah, Fruity Pebbles, but Dino Pebbles, the chocolate ones, they were not as good. I wasn't as big of a fan of yeah, those. I remember some of the marketing for this. Uh, they would roll through the colors of the Fruity Pebbles. There was uh, red, orange, green, purple, blue, and yellow, something, 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 post-Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> You're crushing It's all it. coming back. It's, it's all, all back partially me. coming back to you now. Yeah. Uh, okay, do you remember Cinnamon Mini Buns? Uh, I don't, and also from this article that we're going through, the photo has been removed, so I don't even have a visual reference. Google cinnamon mini buns while I talk about whatever's next, but this was one I loved cinnamon mini buns when I was a kid. I mean, they could have just been sugary garbage. In fact, they probably were sugary probably. garbage, but I remember holding a very, uh, very warm spot in my heart for cinnamon mini buns. They do not ring a bell. God damn it. Um, okay, Count Chocula? That must. Well, Count Chocula's still around, is it not? I don't think so. I think a couple of years ago, yeah, they say here, like, it made a comeback in the, you know, in the 2013 and 2014 Halloweens. They still must have Count Chocula. Keep in mind that a lot of Holy these cereals God. that we're talking about either came out in the 90s or ended in the 90s, so there will be some 80s and 2000s overlap. Yeah, I'm going through a Red Flag Deals forum post right now, and people are not having a lot of a lot of look a lot of luck with them. Um, some people are saying they're seasonal. Some people are saying they haven't seen them in years. So wow, uh, yeah, they're Count not Chocula, around. Someone hit him with that wooden stake. Ha! Do you remember? Okay, Reptar Crunch. What the, the Rugrats cereal? I think I remember this. I think I vaguely remember Reptar Crunch. That is so fucking cool, though. Right? Um, There was a Teddy Grimm cereal. I don't remember that one. No idea. And that bear on the back cover looks like he is going to take things way too far. Yeah, real creepy. I feel uncomfortable. Uh, The next one we don't have in Canada. So Kix, K-I-X, is one of my favorite cereals. It's so lame. They're like... They're like less sugary corn pops, kind oh, of. That's, yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, for sure. But I love them. I don't know why. They're like little bits of cardboard. Okay. Uh, they had a berry flavor, berry berry kicks. Uh, but we didn't get those. Um, Bill and Ted apparently had a cereal that I've never seen. So did Me Urkel. Either. Like there are a lot of Urkelos. TV cereals. Urkelos. That is amazing. Help Urkel find Laura. Free game on this package. So uncomfortable that is to look so at. So amazing! I right? I want some fucking Urkelos. Holy shit! What do we have? Uh, Rice Krispie treats. Yeah, what I is remember this? these Pre-formed ones. Preformed little like Rice Krispie square cereal. Yep. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah, that shit was good. Yeah, they were pretty damn good. Yeah, probably terrible for you, but I liked them. Yep. Um, there were also superhero cereals. So there was a Spider-Man, oh. an Avengers, and a Hulk. Yeah, we still. I imagine we still probably have uh, something like that. Like though that Avengers ones looks looks pretty modern. Yeah, it does. That must have been like a two thousands. Well, I mean, it definitely was that Iron Man, right? Um, Wheaties in the. I think this was an early nineties one. Uh, Wheaties had a limited time run of Dunka balls, and they're like little basketballs. That cereal looks pretty cool. It does. It. I think this was in reference to NBA Jam. Maybe. That being said, though, I feel like whatever they used to make the basketball lines on these cereal is probably not good for you. Probably not. Maybe it's just black licorice. Yeah. Uh, What do we have next? We've got something called Fruity Yummy Mummy. Yeah, Fruity Yummy Mummy. This was a really early 90s cereal. Like, I think it ended in 92, 93. Oh, wow. Somewhere um, in there. 
Yeah, moving down, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had their own cereal. Uh, probably not pizza flavored. Yeah, so did the Adams Family. Wow. Um, what else is on here? Waffle Crisp. Waffle, Waffle Crisp is Crisp. just like honeycombs, pretty much. Okay. Oh, a fan favorite at number twenty: French Toast Crunch. That's got to still be a thing. Not really. No. What about Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Yeah, that's still a thing. Okay. Because this is the same. This is the same general idea, right? True. French Toast Crunch was like a, a limited time thing that I think stuck around for longer than was expected, but was eventually pulled. Okay. Uh, there's that's that pretty much does it for the list. But there's a couple more things that I want to touch on, and that was the intense marketing aimed at kids for all of this children's cereal. I oh mean, yeah. As demonstrated by the fact that I still remember at least half of the jingle for Post Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> uh, in so much that I re- have the brand name ingrained in me. It's not just Fruity Pebbles. It's not just the Flintstone cereal. It's Post Fruity Pebbles. Like, I almost feel like I am spouting out the registered trademark uh, logos as I say them. Yeah, you're the corporate machine, man. I am a product of it. I am a product of 90s marketing towards kids. I think we all are. It, everything that they everything that they sought to make is what I am as a human being. All of those commercials repeating over and over on every commercial break is imbued in ways I probably don't even know on such a subconscious level in my inner being wow deep that this is almost like one of those universal soldiers or clockwork orange things except considerably more commercial boring and with no real usable (laughs) scenario perfect besides something kind of like the last starfighter have you ever seen the last starfighter oh that sounds really familiar why does that sound familiar it's uh, this shitty movie. Uh, actually, it's probably actually all right. But it's this movie where this guy is really good at this one arcade game called, oh, I think, The Last Starfighter. Yeah. And then because of that, he is recruited to like join some interstellar war because he now is the best pilot that they have because of his experience with this arcade game. This is very similar to a book called Armada that Tally was telling me about. Same kind of thing. Like there's this video game and uh, like all the kids are playing it, but it's actually being used as a recruiting tool for like an incoming, an impending alien invasion. Yeah, that's that's definitely the idea, except it's just one person. The one last thing I want to touch on on this intense marketing that is etched into my memory. Do you remember Alphabet's? Of course I remember alphabets. Yeah. Sometime towards the mid to late 90s, do you remember they had the wizard, uh, that was their mascot? Yep. But marketing executives decided to change the wizard, because I guess that was less cool, to this kind of floating computer head thing. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and they sort of, they eased the blow to kids over the course of maybe, maybe six months or a year, they introduced the new mascot and then kind of waned off the wizard until we were left with the new mascot that's so disappointing it is and it's so unusual that that is just burned into my soul that's weird speaking of things that are burned in my soul one cereal i wanted to bring up that was not on the list that is apparently still a thing in the states but you certainly cannot get here frosted cheerios did you ever have frosted cheerios no 
Okay, so I mean, I think we've all had Cheerios, probably unless you're, you know, celiac or something. Cheerios are okay; they're pretty good. I'm yeah. a fan. Frosted Cheerios are special to me because they were they were like the step between good cereal and bad cereal. Like you could almost convince yourself that, oh, this isn't bad for me. It's Cheerios. Yeah. It's not. It's covered in frosting, motherfucker. But you know, they're delicious. Yeah, I think that's most children's cereal. Uh, you can try to convince yourself that it's part of this balanced breakfast and is good for you, but it's also coated in a nice heaping layer of sugar. But in the 90s, we believed that. Like, cereal peaked in the 90s. Like, yeah. It, oh, it's going way down. Cereal sales have been declining ever since, I think it's like the early 2000s. They drop every year. Breakfast is less of a thing. You know, people have less time on their hands. You just grab like a snack bar or a bagel or something on the way to work. So I, I believe that. Well, I think a lot of it's to do with like carbohydrates are bad yeah. for you. And we know more about that now. And anyway, that's the end of that. Yeah. Oh, one last thing that I wanted to mention uh, that we wrote down. Oh, yeah. You had tricks, right? I did. Tricks were so good. And I've told you about this before. Actually, you were present when my my theory was debunked. True. So the last time that I had tricks up until a couple years ago was roughly around the time I was 17 or 18. And like me, if you remember the 90s marketing for this, Tricks is for kids. That tricks is are what for they kids. Yeah, that is what they said to the rabbit. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. And shortly after the time that I became legally an adult, tricks disappeared. The last time I ever remember having tricks was in 2006, the year that we both turned 18. That is correct. And I looked for it. I I remembered tricks is so good. Those fruit-shaped things that may be slightly good for you but are covered in sugar, they were really good and I wanted to find them. But for years, I could not see them. So I thought, what if they're here? What if these <laughs> tricks are actually in the cereal aisle? But because I am not a kid, I can't see the tricks. Uh, maybe you need to either be a kid or be a parent. And then when the kid grabs the tricks off the shelf, the perception is just the the lack of being able to see it is shattered. And because you are the adult who needs to purchase it, it is fo you're forced to confront the reality that the tricks do in fact exist. It makes total sense. However, this was debunked in 2015 when we went camping shortly, I think it was in May, right? It was the May long weekend. We yeah. went camping in the States with a bunch of people. And as we were in tops, I found the tricks. It turns out that tricks had, uh, like a lot of things on that list we read, been discontinued in Canada and were only available in the United States. However, tricks have now taken on a purely spherical form. They're not shaped like the fruits and probably other fruits that they were sh uh, shaped like back in the 90s and early 2000s. And because of that, they don't taste as good. They really don't. No. So tricks is a shell of its former self. Uh, and I'm sad to say that maybe maybe it's true. Silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Every week on the show, we bring you a sponsor. Sometimes real, sometimes fictitious. This week is uh, you know the same as the last few. Same as the last few. Fictitious, but very real because you certainly remember this. Yeah, stuck it's real in to the me. '90s is brought to you by the fees they charged for not rewinding your VHS tapes. Were you kind? Did you rewind? If you did not, you had to pay a fee. And usually it was only like a dollar. But when the movie rental was like three dollars, 
That was a significant charge. That is a significant percentage of your overall investment in that rental movie. Right. Here's what I want to know, uh, especially if any of our listeners did work or were very well acquainted with a video rental store back in the 90s. Let's say you weren't kind and you didn't rewind. Did they? Yeah, they did. Was there a VHS player or was there a rewinding machine? Because those existed. In fact, there was. Yeah, there was one. So if you they if you didn't rewind, there was actually a service being performed. That Yeah, that is correct. Every time I rented a movie, it was rewound. I feel like I've rented a movie that wasn't. Really? Yeah, maybe maybe from somewhere like Video 99 I or something. I was just going to say like a corner store video store. Yeah, so I'm wondering if these ones, they charge maybe they charge you the Be Kind Rewind fee, but they don't actually do anything about it. That's so good. I love that. I love that much more than actually rewinding it. Yeah, that's what I feel could have been the case in some places. But yeah, remembering back, there were definitely machines that existed solely to rewind videotapes. Uh, I think they were marketed as something to reduce the wear and tear on your VCR. Yeah, and they did it. I think they did it faster as well. Is I think so. The, is that the single most 90s piece of tech that there is, a VHS standalone rewinder? I think it is. And you know what? We might have a spotlight for, for some week in the future if, if we do some in-depth research. I guess it could be 80s tech. We'll have to, we'll have to look into this. Yeah, I would I still think it qualifies as 90s tech, a machine that exists solely to rewind video cassette tapes. True. All right. Um, I think that's about all I've got. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, about it. Uh, as you said before we started recording, um, I think you said you want to keep it around 25 minutes because we are both in rooms that are very quickly heating up without having our air conditioning on. I am so hot right now. And it, we are well over the 35-minute mark at this point. We are almost at 41 minutes. This is the longest podcast we've ever recorded. It'll get cut down a bit, but holy shit. Yeah, it's it's up there. So as always, you can find us online at facebook.com slash stuck in the nineties, stuck in the nineties podcast.com, uh Twitter, S I T nineties, Instagram stuck in the nineties podcast. Send us an email at stuck in the nineties podcast at gmail.com. Be a ten dollar sponsor, and we will remember you more fondly than we remember VHS rewinders. Uh anything else, Dad? Nope. All right, next week we don't know what we're doing. We don't know when we're doing it. But uh, we'll be talking about a week in the 90s, and we will see you then. Connor, anything else to add? No, I think that is about everything. So for now, the My podcast... air conditioner is turning back. I mean, the podcast is, is now, now over. air conditioned. Oh, yeah. Okay.